You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. It's tech fan number 221. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello again. Again. <laughs> again. Just like last week and the week before. And next week and the week after that, hopefully. Never know. Never know. It, it, it all depends on if your name was in this uh, Ashley Madison hack. Because <laughs> if it is, you might not be here anymore because you'll be dead. Your wife will kill um, you. So, so here's the thing. That would involve my wife going through the data looking for my name, which I believe is beyond her technical ability. Nothing against my wife. She's, she's, you know, she's a pretty geeky gal, but um, I don't think she's quite into going through encrypted torrents looking for my name. So I guess unless I'm in the public eye and some journalist does it for me, uh, I would be safe assuming I'd use such a service, which I haven't. I like that the website, because I've kind of been following the story. I find it kind of interesting. Um, it, I mean, it has, it has the, it's the perfect ingredient of a, of a summer kind of silly season story because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's about hacking. It's about uh, data breaches, which is all very interesting at this point in time. And it has that, you know, big healthy dose of schadenfreude for everyone who's been outed on top, which is, you know, you were doing something naughty and then you got caught. Yep. It's, they said 32 million users. Now, for those who don't know, um, and I didn't know about this site until the you know this news story broke, a- Ashley Madison, uh, basically you sign up for it, at least this is my understanding, you sign up for it, and you have to use a credit card, so it's not a free service like Facebook or something, but what it does is it facilitates people cheating on their spouse. So yeah. if you're a woman or a man, you sign up for this thing, and then I guess it you can... I, I I don't understand quite how it works. Do you, are you able to chat well, with other people? Or I, yeah, I, I guess I guess it must be like like a dating service for people who are knowingly married and are looking for extramarital um, relationships. I, and and I, I suppose the attraction is, is, unlike trying to pick somebody up in the bar, uh, you know that the person you're 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 trying to uh pursue is in the same position as you in that they have something to lose as well so nobody's going to tell anybody you're going to go off and have some fun and nobody has to know anything about it except unfortunately you fail to realize that you've given all of the data of everything you're doing to a third-party company who's now been hacked and had it smeared all over the internet it's uh i i'm i'm reading the story on yahoo Ashley Madison's website is known for its slogan, Life is short, have an affair. Ugh. Really? Yeah, it's it's this pretty is, tacky. That's more than tacky. That's just disgusting. I mean, you know, we got enough problems in the world. Breaking up families and facilitating that shouldn't be someone's oh, slogan. This is, see, this is, this is where you get your healthy dose of, of new media, Web 2.0, we're saving the world through the internet type thing where, where the Ashley Madison founders would argue that that's exactly what you avoid by using this service because you, you are hooking up with people who are in the same position as you and both of you agree that nobody else wants to or needs to know about it. And so they would say this is better than, I'm, putting, yeah, I'm doing the air quotes there, better than going and having an affair somewhere else. Let's face it, most people have affairs 
do it with people they you know it's either people in in the uh, in who are spouses of people you know through your family or it's through work but all of those things carry enormous risks in terms of being caught whereas the idea behind this website was you could go and you could find somebody who was after the same thing as you uh and um had no interest in anything more than that you know, so it's, it's still it's, it's still gross. deeply it's it's still yeah it's pretty disturbing and and the fact that you know they make money off it is is uh, is is kind of yeah as I say it's tacky or worse, um, but <laughs> of course you know it makes it a great story because it, everyone can feel and like we're doing here we can kind of look down on the people who use the service and go oh, you know what do you use that for and and now now you're suffering the consequences except as I say. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the people who use the service, on apart from the the generally convenience of having your data exposed on the internet with credit card numbers and that sort of thing, um, which obviously is not let's not trivialise that. That's pretty important. But in terms of your spouse finding out, uh, unless they're going to go trawling through the data looking for your name, which most people's spouses aren't going to do, uh, you're you don't necessarily have to worry about it. But obviously, if you're a public figure. Um, or you uh, access the service. I mean, there's a whole lot of people apparently who, uh, in the UK government, who've been accessing the service, who either work in the civil service or work in Parliament, and, and presumably some of them are uh, elected officials as well. Who uh, the, there are IP addresses and names in there of people who who, who work in those things. And of course, the papers delight in publishing those because it's uh, you know it's um, as I say, it's Schadenfreude. It's uh, look what they were doing. I it's I don't know I. It's depressing that they had 32 million users. Yeah. To me, that is that that might be the most. I can understand if it was like a half million people or something, but 32 million. Now, look, this isn't the U.S. only, or or North America, or even the West. This is worldwide service, but still, 32 million people looking to have an affair. That's yeah. that's just sad. It really is. Why are you married to someone no, but, yeah. that you want to have an affair? I mean. I, if you want to cheat on your spouse, then leave your spouse. Don't put them through that. That's just. Yeah. But but people don't people don't want to do that, do they? They don't want the they don't want to give up the uh, the trappings of having a family at home, of having somebody waiting for you at home, having your kids, and all that sort of thing. But at the same token, they want to play around. That's that's unfortunately human nature. Is one of the reasons the divorce rates is as as high as it is. Don't say it's right. It's not something that I agree with. I've been on the um, receiving end of that. I was cheated on. Uh, with my I said person. I'm sorry, David. <laughs> Jeez, I I didn't even know it was you until you said. <laughs> no, I meant that I was the one cheating on you. Um, <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's. I think probably everyone has had been on the receiving end or the other side of that. Uh, I've been on the receiving end. I've never cheated on anybody the closest i came as i broke up with a girlfriend because i liked this other girl <clears throat> but i didn't do anything until we were broken up i just you know you, you just don't do that as far as i'm concerned it's you know well, unfortunately a lot of people do but I, I think i think the thing that's kind of getting missed in in this debate in terms of how it's spinning out in the media is that you know, we give all this personal information to these companies and they don't look after it properly. And you'd have thought a site doing what Ashley Madison does 
would take you you would hope that they would take their security even more seriously than than um, maybe a retailer. Obviously, a retailer suffers financially. See, I would uh, think just the opposite. I would think a site that facilitates um, adultery. I don't. I wouldn't think they would have high morals. I wouldn't think that they really would care about people that much. Thus, they probably wouldn't protect my data that good. Well, presumably they care about their money. Uh, and let's face it, this is going to be one of those situations where this this website's going to be out of business. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, if if, so, if you were a customer, would you ever go back to them? Or if you were thinking about this, would you ever go and use them? I so your your I couldn't your imagine. Business is, your business's reputation is one of the most important things you have because it's what drives revenue, it drives customer growth. And so if you lose that reputation, then then that's very bad for your business. So that's why I say I would expect somebody in a business where they must recognize that what they're doing is perceived by large proportions of humanity as, as, uh, as pretty, pretty unpleasant that they would, in the interest of their business reputation, do everything they can to protect that data. And, and yet that yet appear, appears they haven't done. Nope. We don't know quite how this hack happened, but it looks like they got pretty much everybody. It looks this like is, it. This is not like one... This is not presumably just one guy in the, in the company with a USB drive. This is uh, something fairly systematic. And they got everybody. So how does a company allow all of its customer data to be stolen. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It, it I, I, I feel sorry for them, but at the same time, not the company, the, the people no. that got caught up in this. Yeah. But by the same time, it's like, you know what? <laughs> well, Maybe as, you as shouldn't a, have been you know, doing this. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It is... You know, there's, there's real cosmic karma going on here, if you believe in such things, because obviously you go and use a site like that, because, as I say, because you want to have an affair without getting caught. And now potentially everybody who is having an affair with that site could get caught. And quite a lot of people who probably didn't have a figure. There must be a good percentage of people who signed up for the site because then, they wanted to, you know, they wanted the excitement of communicating with people who they could potentially hook up with. Yeah, I would imagine, I would imagine there's an a lot of them yeah. who, yeah. You know, well, here's the other aspect. That. How many people signed up but they didn't use their real name? They used a coworker's name or somebody else that they know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, does the site account for that? I mean, what That's what if it. what if it's your name but you never signed up for this? Yeah. Um and your wife That's sees that. this, someone takes all this raw data and, and publishes name and she comes across it on a Facebook post, clicks it and does a quick search for your name and oh, there's your name. Or it's your name. It was someone just like you, but it's not you. It's somebody in a you know three counties yeah. over. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it's it's yeah, it's a, it's a bad situation all around. Don't don't sign up for websites like this, people. That's the moral of the story. Don't do that. Yeah. Well, look, I remember. I remember when back in the day when Facebook first started. What was that one where you could find the people you went to school with? Uh, Classmates dot com. Uh, no, there was there was another one. Um, anyway, I forget what the name was, but there was there was there was one where you could you, yeah you could find the people you used to work with, the people you, you went to school with, um, and um, it was, I forget what it was called, so, but it, call it whatever happened to com because that's kind of what it was. Yeah. Um, and I I remember when that started, the, the stories were going around that a lot of people were using it to look up old flames, 
look up girls they had crushes on at school and were then reaching out to them to say, you know, oh, yeah, how are you doing and everything. And then things were developing on the back of that. For the same kind of reasons that people join AshleyMadison.com, people get bored. They just, you know, they don't appreciate what they have at home. Yeah. And so they get bored and they like the excitement. And let's face it, the, the real thrill of of romantic relationships for many people if you don't work your relationship is is the thrill of the chase the thrill of of you know encountering somebody new uh, and that's what a lot of people get out of these sort of things obviously as as well as the uh, end result as well but um you know it, it, it it's like you say it's a, it's a fairly sad indictment of our society really but, i'm just yeah, glad i'm happily married man i really am well, me too me you too know, i would never Absolutely. You know, I obviously, even if I would on a show like this, of course I would say, oh, I would never. But seriously, I would never would. I mean, no. I have too much respect for my wife and kids and the family. And there's just no way I would ever intentionally ruin anything like that. That's, you know, and if someone is that unhappy where they're going to use a site like this, I do kind of feel sorry for them. You know, yeah. I, I'm sure some of these people were desperately lonely and this is a... Uh, but still, ugh, I don't know. Uh, and, and yeah, let's not let's not tell people the same. But some people, unfortunately, are very unhappily married. Yeah, uh, I was yeah, for the, once. For, for, for ver- yeah, for various different reasons, they might want to do do something like this without breaking up their re- relationship. You know, particularly if there are kids involved. Some people will, you know, do literally stay together for the sake of the kids. Yeah. Um, you know, and even if you don't have kids, some people they just can't bring themselves to break it off even though they're not really happy mm-hmm. um you know i, I have a, i have I, I know people who are kind of in that situation i can see that they're not really getting a lot out of their married relationship and and seem to be very much put upon by the other partner and don't seem to see a way out of it and i can understand why in those circumstances people might start thinking about that but you know it's like it's like you say you when you not to get too preachy on it but when you're married to somebody you've made a commitment to do some things and not do other things. Yep, and, absolutely. You know, <laughs> you, you've really got to try and stick to that. So let's talk about something a little more fun that you and I are yeah. both enjoying right now. And that is an app developer came out with a game called Crossy Roads about a year ago or so. And I played the crap out of Crossy Roads. It was one of the games that you could pick up, you could play for five minutes, it's really fun, and then you're done until the next time you play it. You know, you don't have to build up stuff or resource. It's it's literally you have a little character and you're trying to go as far as you can. Now, there's been games like that for a long, long time. But Crossy Roads was different in that you collect things, you unlock other characters. Um, it was very cutesy, kind of a, a 16-bit or an 8-bit type of graphics, but yet it worked. It, they, they went that route, but not for nostalgic's sake. It just worked with this game. So Crossy Roads exploded on the App Store about a year they, ago, yeah. and everybody played this it game. Yeah. And so a lot of people, David, were wondering, yeah, was, what I, is... I, very... Go ahead. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting caught by the Skype like here. Yeah. Um, I, I think what was what was really clever about Crossy Roads is it took a very old concept, which is again Frogger, uh, and it, it it combined it with with very much a modern game trope, which is the endless runner, because effectively there's no end to Crossy Roads. You just keep going as far as you can go. And the collectability um, of and, something uh, like Pokemon, yeah. like that collectability, exactly. you got to unlock this and get this next character, even though the character doesn't do anything to help you you get better at the game or anything. It's just 
oh, look, if I get a couple more things, I can get this guy. That's cool. I want to get that That's guy. Right. My kids were way into Crossy Roads for a while. So was I, to be honest. Uh, yeah. And it, and it was very generous. It wasn't one of these ones where it beat you over the head within that push. No. So you could go that route if you wanted to, but actually the more rewarding way to get all the uh, achievements and the upgrades and everything was just to play it and build up the stuff you were earning. And then and then the, the game was very generous with giving you stuff. So very clever formula. So a lot of people were wondering, what is the developer, Hipster Whale, which, by the way, might be one of the greatest names of a company of all time, <laughs> what is their follow-up going to be? What's Crossy Roads 2 going to bring to the table? Well, I don't know if they're actually going to come out with a Crossy Roads 2. I imagine they probably will eventually. But their follow-up, they went in a completely different direction as far as characters go. Their new game yeah. is called uh, Pac-Man 256. The neat thing about this is they took an older character, Pac-Man... And they brought him up to the modern age. When I first saw this gameplay footage about uh, six weeks ago or so, maybe a little longer, I was blown away. It, it was exactly what Pac-Man should be on a modern handheld device. Yeah, It's not maze running, but yet it kind of is. It is an endless runner, which I don't usually like endless runners. But it's Pac-Man in a, in a maze, going from the bottom of the screen to the top, avoiding ghosts, eating ghosts if you get the power pellet, and going as long as you can, collecting yeah. uh, credits as you go. And the credits will Amazing unlock... Friends, yeah. Right. And, and the, and the yeah. credits will help unlock other things, like a laser shooting out of Pac-Man's mouth to kill the ghost for a few seconds. It's really, really clever. The graphics are fantastic. It it actually feels like Pac-Man. Yeah. And I'm amazed that a company with the success of Hipster Whale so early in their time as a company would go this route, would partner up with Namco to take Pac-Man to a whole other level, David. Yeah, it's really, really impressive. I mean, the, the game, it, it just feels right. Um, yesterday, actually, I was having lunch with my family. They came up to the office to have lunch with me. Uh, and I mentioned this. I said, oh, have you seen this yet? And uh, they hadn't. So I put it on my uh, I put it on my son's phone. And he was, that was it. He was gone. Yep. <laughs> we, we lost him for the rest of the thing. And, and then my, my wife took a look over his shoulder. She said, oh, that looks like fun. She got it on her phone. By the end of the day, it was on her iPad. And she said to me last night, she said, how do you expect to get anything done around the house now? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, I mean, it really is that pick up and play it's a very they, they ha, I mean you can tell it's if you know Crossy Road you can tell it's inspired by Crossy Road absolutely but they've taken it in a very different direction um, they haven't changed too many of the fundamental elements of Pac-Man they also have this neat mechanic which which is inspired by a glitch in the original Pac-Man game Apparently, if you played it Pac-Man for long enough, you overrun a buffer somewhere and the whole screen filled with random characters if you got to level so, 256 that's right yeah which is why Pac-Man 256 so with this um, kind of a, a glitch effect is sweeping up behind you on the maze. So if you don't, not only are you running in, into, into the front of the maze, but if you hang around too too much at the bottom, it gets you and it's the end of the game as well. It's very cleverly done. It really is. And, and as you and I were saying, it's the sort of thing that Namco, as as an organization of their own, would never have come up with themselves. No, absolutely not. You, They needed a company like Hipster Whale to take their IP into whole different realms. And yet stay true to the character and the original gameplay. It really does feel like the spiritual successor of the original Pac-Man. Um, yeah. 
And, you know, yes, they could unlock characters. Updates could be Miss Pac-Man or whatever. But I like this concept of taking some older characters. And I know we're the ones complaining about Hollywood can't come up with any new ideas and stuff. I get it. Um, and hip, and let's be honest, Hipster Whale could have just came out with Crossy Roads 2, made it just like this without Pac-Man, and people would have thought it was brilliant as well. But yeah. they they seem to have a love of the classic games and these characters. And let's be honest, it's not like Hollywood. We actually like to, to revisit these characters. We want a new Mario game. We want the new uh, types of gameplay with classic characters. I, there was a game that came out. I don't know, on the Mac a couple years ago called uh, Burger Time World Tour. Now, I've said on this show before, Burger Time is one of my all-time favorite games, arcade games. Mm -hmm. I love it. I loved Burger Time World Tour. It was nothing like Burger Time except for the fact that you're running over things and they drop down and you make burgers. But it, it took that concept and took it a whole new way. And I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. This is the same thing. Uh, even done even better though. I mean, it's really, really well done, and it's a free game, David. Yeah. Anybody listening to this, you don't have to spend money. You can go download this right now for your iOS device for free. Yeah, yeah, it's great, a great, great game. I, I think it's really uh, though. You know, I, I <coughs> as, as I said, you know, I, I you, you kind of said, oh, good on hipster world going out and, and making this happen, and I agree. I, the only thing that concerns me about this trend, this, and we were talking on message about this, is um, you only need one or two successes like this, and before you know it, the floodgates will open, but it will be done badly. Every every uh, games manufacturer out there who has old IP will turn around and go, oh, well, let, let, let's bring it into the modern world, but let's let's not partner with somebody clever like Hipster Wear. We'll just get some uh, Russian programmers to uh, contract it out for eight weeks, and that'll be good enough. Uh, and before you know it, we'll be flooded with uh, poor quality remakes of, of uh, you know, or, or redos of stuff like this. Hell, Namco has done many, many Pac-Man games over the years, and none of them has been as good as the original. None of them have been as good as this. Uh, I would disagree with you a little bit there. There was a Pac-Man game, Champion, Pac-Man Championship Edition, that came on the Xbox and the PS3. Uh, mm-hmm. And I believe it's out on iOS now as well, except you really do need a controller. It yeah. is uh, really, really well done. I really enjoy Pac-Man Championship Edition. Uh, you clear a few dots on one side of the board, eat the little thing like the strawberry or whatever, and then on the other side of the map it shows more pellets to eat, and then the map changes behind you. It's really well done. I think it, it was, I, and I've never really talked about it on the show that I remember, Pac-Man Championship Edition was, I would say, the true successor to the original Pac-Man. It, it just felt tight and well done. They updated the graphics, but not to the point where you didn't recognize it as Pac-Man. Uh, it had uh, in-app purchases, so you could unlock different looks. So you can go with like a more 16-bit look of Pac-Man. You can go with a 3D version. Uh, you could buy newer maps. Um, you could buy everything for like 10 bucks. So it wasn't right. expensive. And I ended up buying every map and every character that I could in that game. It was just that good. So to say that they didn't do anything with this character all these years, I would disagree with. The Pac-Man Championship Edition is really good. Now, you've got an Xbox. I would suggest you go on Xbox Live and download it and give it a try. I think you'd like it. Yeah. It's really, yeah, really a good it. game. So, okay. But that being said, it is a different game than Pac-Man 256. 
just like both of these games are different than the original Pac-Man. The core mechanic is still there. You eat the dots and you avoid the ghosts. You get a power pellet and then you can eat the ghosts for a brief amount of time. Those three things are in each one of these Pac-Man games. But they add a level of complexity. They add a different level of gameplay itself to it with that core principle. And I think it works really well on both of them. But I am really, and to be honest, David, I like it better on my iPhone than I do on my iPad. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just one of those games that it's, you don't need such a big screen to play it. Yeah. And, you know, I can hold it with one hand and still control it with my thumb. I don't need to hold it with two hands like I do my iPad. So yeah. well, that, that helps That helps when you're driving. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, that way I can still keep one hand on the wheel at least. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a, it's a fun game. I, I suggest anybody try it. If you haven't tried Crossy Roads, though, you really should get Crossy Roads. It's super addictive, yeah. which I know is usually a bad thing, but it's not here. It's it's a good thing. Super addictive, very fun gameplay. Uh, kids, every kid I've met that's played Crossy Roads really loves it. Uh, it's just one of those games that uh, once you've played it for a while, you look for a part two because you, you want to see new maps. You want to see different characters. And instead of going that route, which, again, they may still do eventually... For them to come out with this, I think it's it's super brave. Number one, uh, and number two, it shows the innovation in that company that they're not they're not so worried about breaking the mold. They they don't they're not so in love with their own ideas that they can't do anything else. That's I think that's really cool for a company to do that. Yeah, and that takes me back to a conversation we had just a couple weeks ago about Sega and all of their games getting pulled from the mobile devices mm-hmm. and that you didn't have a lot of confidence in why they were doing this. Yeah. See, he didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so he's still angry about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he went, I went and listened to, is that for you or is that someone outside? I think no. I think it's one of my children. <laughs> I believe they may have just arrived home. <laughs> well, let's take a quick break and we'll come right, right back. Yeah. Here we go! Curious about Nintendo? Well, check out the Nintendo Club podcast. This podcast is done twice a week. We dive into all things Nintendo. We dive into retro. We dive into current games, what we're playing, what cool Nintendo news is going on. Check it out here at the Spotlight Network, the Nintendo Club podcast. We broadcast this live out every Sunday evening starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. Check out the NintendoClubPodcast.com website for more information. And then I'm moving my whole base of operations to Universal Studios. Old guys wandering around. I just can't imagine what could possibly, possibly go wrong. (laughs) (laughs) We're watching you, too. Yeah. We're the clueless hosts of the MyMac podcast. Thank you so very, very much for downloading the MyMac.com podcast. We really, really do appreciate it. Tell me about it. (laughs) People like us. Apparently, people like to respond on Facebook to hairy bald guys who said stupid things. That's not good. Why don't you bring us in? Back here on Tech Fan Podcast. Uh, sorry about that break. <laughs> when the family comes home and they start making noise, I, I, they don't know that you're I'm recording. Tr- I'm, 
No, well, not only that. I'm, I'm two stories up, uh, and they were like halfway down the road. Uh, that was that was my daughter. She was certainly bellowing some. <laughs> yeah, that was loud. She's got a pair of lungs yeah. on her. Yeah. Yep. So what I was saying was, I went back to the press conference that Sega had about this. Uh-huh. And I read what their CEO was talking about. And the basic gist of it, David, was that Sega is not happy with their station in life right now. That they went from the height in the 90s to being nothing now. Being almost a joke, where Sega doesn't matter. And he even specifically said Sega doesn't matter anymore. Uh-huh. And he wants to change that. He wants to get back to what they were in the 90s. They they want to wipe the slate clean and basically start over. That they've gone to so many third-party developers and let them play with their characters, with their core characters, that they've pretty much ruined them at this point. And that nobody was watching in Sega to make sure what was best for their characters and the games. And that that's what they want to get back to. And I give them credit for that. If they actually do it right, it could be a good mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, um, I I think that, but that's the thing. It's it. They're fine words, but you've got to translate into actions. And he's going to have the clout within his own company to make it happen. Yeah, because when we well, he made he made them pull all these these crappy apps down. I mean, that is a start. That's a big. That's just taking money from the company. That's saying, look, we know these things are making money out here, but we don't care. We're getting rid of them because they're terrible. We we don't we don't know how much money they were making. It could have been, it could also have been they weren't making a lot of money. So it's easy to make the argument to convince your fellow board members to pull uh, all those apps off the app store if they're only making chump what what Sega is chump change every year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different. I mean, it would in some respects it would have been more compelling if they were those games were were obviously really really successful and they pulled them anyway. Um, you know, look, when we were talking about the Namco thing on, on message, you know, what, what did I say to you when, when I was talking about how, how this might go? I said, you know, never, never, never misjudge the ability of, uh, in a corporation of some guy with a Harvard MBA to come up with a PowerPoint, turn around saying, well, yeah, we can, we can pull this off ourselves just by doing it cheaply and doing it quickly because the market doesn't care. Um, You've got, you know, if if that's really his vision, that's fine. But he's he's got to carry the rest of the company with him. Yeah. Uh, and and those those the, pulling off those sort of strategy changes takes time. So he's also got to keep everyone with him for the time it takes to actually deliver. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know, I hope he can do that because I'd like to see Sega be back where it used to be. I'd like to see uh, more competition in the console market. I'd like to see some of these great characters. Sega, particularly, because Sega really was. The lost opportunity because they went down so quickly. Yeah, after, and, and it wasn't um, competition. You know, it was Dreamcast, their, yeah. It was their own stupidity. Dream, yeah, but the Dreamcast was a great console, but they just kind of messed it up, um, and and they they kind of they disappeared almost overnight in the space of two three years. They were just gone. Yep. Uh, and and you know, they went from being one of the leading console makers to to nobody because they just did not adapt quick enough. They Sony completely and utterly blindsided them. Yep. Uh, and um, and and again, you know, it goes back to what I'm saying. They thought that their intellectual property and the characters and the and the loyalty they build up with their brands would carry them through um, against mediocre hardware uh, and mediocre games, and it didn't. You know, and, and Nintendo's got a 
got to take a, a strong hard lesson from what happened to Sega as well, because I think Nintendo is still teetering on the brink of having the same problem. Yeah, and I think, I think they they've, they've had a couple good quarters, stuff. but they're they're another company that could go either way. They could yeah. completely right the ship, which is what I hope they do, uh, or they could just they're going to be gone. You know, they're already talking about the next console to replace the Wii U, and I think it would be a huge mistake for them to give up on the Wii U within you know three years of it coming out. But anyways, I don't feel like getting into that a whole bunch right now. I've got a headache. No. Um, and we do have feedback we're going to get to that in a minute remember if you want to send us feedback it's real easy to do simply send it to the show at techfanpodcast.com and we will read at least a condensed version of your email here (laughs) I say that and we'll explain that in a minute Uh, before we get to that though David I got you know I use Comcast here where I live and I've used Comcast for a number of years Do, do I think they're a great company no. Uh, do I think they rip people off? Yes, I do. Uh, they have terrible customer service for the most part. We've we've vilified them on this show enough times simply by repeating some of the things that they've said to their own customers. So we don't need to repeat all that. However, I signed up, and I talked about this on the show a couple years ago. I noticed that for what I was getting and what I was paying for at Comcast, if I would sign up, as a new customer that day, my bill would be cut in half. Uh, you, I could get more and pay less than I currently was. And it kind of ticked me off. Yeah. So I called Comcast, let them know what was going on. They changed my plan and my, my monthly bill with everything was around 179 a month, which is still a lot of money. Let's not kid ourselves. That's yeah. a lot of money. <clears throat> well, they did it to me again. Uh, maybe six months ago, my bill jumped from basically 180 a month to about 205 and I didn't say anything. And then about four months ago, three months ago, it went to 230 a month. At that point, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to give them a call again. This is ridiculous. There's no reason that my, my, my bill is jumping this high. Well, but I, I, but I, I didn't presume, do it. I presume they put you on. They put you on a whole load of promotions to bring your bill down, and when those run out, the system just starts charging you the sucker price again. Yeah. Well, I didn't say anything. It was on my to do list, but I was kind of putting it off. The only time I really thought about it yeah. is when I went and actually paid the two hundred thirty dollars. Well, I got my August mm-hmm. bill, which is due August twenty eighth. Guess how much this bill is? Uh, I'm guessing more. Two hundred seventy five dollars. I went ballistic when I saw that. So I called them two days ago, and I said straight up, give me a reason that I'm not going to leave today, because there's no way I'm paying this $275, uh, and going to AT&T U-verse. Now, I know there's probably people out there listening that use U-verse and go, oh, it's not any better. I'm, I'm aware of that. I get it. But I'm not paying $275. For cable television, internet, and home phone. And we never use the home phone anyways, but my wife still wants to have the home phone number, so whatever. So I call them, and I talk to this lady, and she can barely speak English. And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. they rolled me back to the 179 So fine, I'll stay with Comcast at 179 And I asked about my current bill. She goes, it'll be adjusted. It'll be a little bit more because of the processing thing. 
uh, for the first month, but it'll go, it'll be right around 180 a month. Fine. This was two days ago. Today's Friday as mm-hmm. we talk. I talked to them on Wednesday morning. It's been over 48 hours. It's been about 50 hours now. I go to their website to pay my bill, and it still says $275.17. So now I've got to call them again and complain again. Yeah. Saying, hey, I switched my plans. I was told that it was going to... If they come back and like, oh, no, you have to pay this before the new one goes into effect, I'm going to say, I'm going to give you this one opportunity to change your mind, or I'm going to cancel my service and go to AT&T. And I'm not... This isn't an empty bluff. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. Because 275, are you crazy? Seriously, Comcast, for the for the speed that you give us and the quality of service, you guys are ripping people off massively. And most Americans yeah. just accept it. The internet connection is so much better in the UK and and Oh, I, I look, I don't know whether it's better or not. I mean, you know, we have a problem in in this house, it's a brand new house. It's surrounded by houses that are on fiber. We can't get fiber here. Yeah, they no, just have not upgraded the most the most recent cabinet. So we're on DSL. Uh, it's it's not bad, but it's not brilliant. I mean, we find that we can't stream more than one thing to one TV at once. Um, when I'm on these Skype calls for the show, I, I have to tell everyone in the house not to use the internet because it will degrade the quality too much. So it's not great. But the thing is, I'm not paying um, the sort of money you're paying for that service. I'm paying, I think I'm paying about £38 a month, so about $50 a month. Yeah. You know, so you can't. You become more tolerant to different classes of service depending on what you're paying. But three hundred dollars a month. I mean, there is no. I know you get you get cable TV services with that as well, don't you? Yeah, yes, I do. And I had okay. I had everything. I but had every channel. Ca- yeah, we have cable TV services here as well, and you can also use Sky, the satellite service, and they'll do broadband as well. Nobody pays that sort of money in the UK for uh, internet and TV services. Nobody. And that, that, the reason for that is just because we have more competition here than you have. Well, we've got competition here now because I've got AT&T. Uh, I'm going to have to check to see if Verizon actually has their file service here now, too, because if they do, I'm going to go that route. Yeah, but there's, there's a hell of a lot of places in uh, in America where you can only get service from one provider. Most places so are like that. That's how these charges come about. Yep. And um, they always play these ridiculous billing games. Yes. Where And, and they do that a bit here, don't get me wrong. Um, where you have to take certain things to get promotional prices and then the prices change. And so the price you pay is never exactly the price you think you're paying. Um, although I don't think it's quite as egregious here as it is in the, in the U.S. in terms of extra fees and that sort of thing. But, you know, it's still, why can't we just get pay one price, be clear what we want, we pay that until we want, don't want the service anymore, and then, the, the, then we stop paying. Why does it always have to be different? I actually signed up for the plan that doesn't have any commitment. It costs an extra 10 bucks, but I'm not under an agreement, so I could quit any time without paying them a dime. Well, but why should you have to pay $120 a year to avoid a contract? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's bizarre. The what the the the, the level so that's that's what really kind of ticks you off the, 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 these levels of service fees um, uh, that that you have to pay for, for you just get nickel and dime for everything. Yep. Not, oh, you want anything that's slightly different on certain condition? Well, you can have that, but you'll pay us for it. It's just ridiculous. So I just check my internet speed, and I don't know how accurate it is as I'm using Skype audio. I'm sure it's not quite as good as it should be. 
my upload speed is uh, about 12 megabytes per second, which isn't bad. My download speed right now, I got to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of impressed a little bit. It's 89 megabytes per second. That's pretty fast. That is fast. Yeah, that's that's a that's. If I, I'd be very pleased to get that sort of service, but I would not pay uh, two hundred pounds a month for it, which is what you're paying. Yep. Even with TV. Yeah. There's no. There's. I mean, two hundred pounds a month is is just it's it's crazy money. Yep. It's crazy money. It is. That's two thousand two thousand four hundred pounds a year. And I, you know, if if I know AT and T would be a little cheaper, but only at the beginning. Yeah. And then because their prices are about the same as Comcast, I don't think that's how is it legal that everything is the same price everywhere and they're supposedly competitors? Yeah, collusion well, anybody? Well, there's there's direct collusion. There's them actually getting together and saying, you know, look, let's agree on a price we're all going to we're all going to pay where we all make money, and then there's indirect collusion. And direct collusion is illegal. Indirect collusion is what's supposed to be called market forces. The the difficulty is, uh, so the idea obviously is the mark with the market is that if you have direct competition between two or three companies in an area, then they're all constantly trying to undercut each other to get more customers. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and consequently, everyone will get the best deal. But as I as, as I've just demonstrated, there's no way you're telling me in a country like the U.S. in in the, in a in a suburban or urban setting in the U.S. that it's more expensive to offer these services than here here in the U.K., where the housing density is higher, where the infrastructure is older. Um, you know, where I would suggest we probably have more regulation in terms of what you do to dig up the roads and that sort of thing than. Um, than you have there, uh, and we certainly have a, a while we have an element of competition between the service providers, the actual underlying infrastructure is all owned by the same company, British, what was British Telecom. So uh, I would say our environment should be less competitive than yours, and yet we're paying a quarter of the price you're paying for the same services. Yep. Uh, you know, it doesn't make sense because I, I, I know because I had fibre in my old house for the fibre product that would it give me round about the same sort of speed you just told me you're getting. Yeah, was was pretty much uh, it was probably a few pounds a month more than what I'm paying here now for DSL. But it wasn't much more. It certainly wasn't anything like 200 pounds a month. You know what it is, David? Here it is. This is this is a cool hard fact that I'm sure that our American listeners aren't going to like to hear. But it's true. And I'm American, so I can vouch for this. Americans are used to getting ripped off. We accept it now. We just accept that we're getting ripped off. That is the God's honest truth, and it's sad state of affairs, but it's true. In America, we are used to getting ripped off, and we accept it meekly. Okay. I guess that's what it cost. It's disgusting, but it's true. It's it's been happening in this country for so long that there isn't any politician that really stands up for the average American when it comes to well, stuff like this. Why should the politicians? The politicians are being funded by these by corporate America, mm-hmm. so they, they they'd be cutting off their own noses spite the faces if they did that. Yep. So of course they don't. That's that's also part of the problem as well. And and a lot of this is. How can I, a lot of people that are poor and destitute don't always vote in their own best interests? 
And the reason for that is, and the reason we accept all this kind of thing is most Americans think there's a possibility that they're going to be rich one day. And if they make it big and they make it rich, they don't want the government to take their money because they're rich. That's, that's the truth. So they vote against their own current best interests, thinking that things will get better. Americans have been fed this American dream line for so long that if you knuckle down and you come up with your own ideas, you could make it. It's virtually impossible nowadays, but people still buy into this. And it's, it's sad because it's, it's not reality. It's just not. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I hear exactly where you're coming from. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a large proportion of our audience who, who take the more conservative view. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in which case, I, I, I'd love to hear what, um, you know, what, it, what is, that's, that's absolutely fine. Uh, you know, all the, all the things that, that more conservative, uh, politically leaning people believe we have a conservative government here in the in the uk as well um you know but the problem is the kind of the promise of the market doesn't appear to work when it comes to some things and this is one good example so what is it about this marketplace that isn't working properly and what can be done about it and if it if it's not the government or it's not regulation to step in to do it what else can it be that forces Companies like Comcast and well, all of them, to be honest. Yep, to, all of them to offer a, offer a fairer deal to, to customers because they're all making big profits, uh, and yet at the same time, you know, I'm just paying that sort of that sort of money every month for service. It's just it, it just can't it can't be right. Mm-mm. It can't possibly be right. That's that's even before you start looking at at wireless services as well, which everybody wants nowadays. Yep. Yeah, no, because you got to have Comcast and AT and T or Verizon on your cell phone, and guess what? Those yeah. are real expensive as well. And and we, you know, we are in in Western society. We really are approaching a point now where it's very difficult to do an awful lot of things if you don't have internet service. Yeah, and nowadays Everything it's is, almost impossible. You can't even apply for a job in the U.S. without internet access. Yeah, can't even apply for a job every, because everybody wants to do some do things self service online because that saves everybody money. And it's more efficient for everybody. And I can, compl- as you know, as a technology fan, I can completely not get behind that. Absolutely. But but then what you can't do then is is hold a gun to people's head over the price for the service to allow that to happen. Yep. Not everybody has has a, if you've got a job, yeah, and and in your job you're not allowed to use the internet for personal stuff. Yeah. How are you, and you can't afford to have internet service at home. How are you meant to get by? You can't because if you've got a job, you can't go down to the library and use their internet service and their computers whenever you want. So how are you meant to do it? It's it's you know it's 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 not right. It really isn't right. By the way, I downloaded and tried the uh, Microsoft Translator that you were talking about last week. That yeah. is that is a really cool app. It I, is. I'm amazed it? that that's free. My my daughter Brooke yeah. really is kind of into French lately. She thinks she can speak uh-huh. French. She can't. Yeah. But, you know, she's into it, so fine. She's hoping that there's a French class at her school, which I don't think there is. I think it's Spanish only now. Um, she's been using it on her. It's an iPhone, but it's not. it doesn't have any data. Just Wi-Fi. She will speak an English phrase and have it translated into French, and then she just sits there and repeats it over and over and over until she gets it. Mm-hmm. What a great little app. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and that's you know what that's a, that's a 
pretty much for how most people have always learnt French. I mean, I did French classes when I was at school because, you know, we're, we're right next to France here, so uh, most school children do French yeah. in, in Britain at some point. Uh, and, uh, you know, kind of speaking phrases, repetition, stuff is pretty much how you learn it, so uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, what I would, if, if, if she can't get into a French class at school, what you might want to do is look, is look, there are some great I mean, you used to get these things like big boxes full of tapes and CDs, but now you can get it all online. There are some great online um, courses which will teach her more about uh, not just the vocabulary, but how the language is structured and some of the idiom and that sort of thing. Well, at her age... Um, if she's really into it... If, yeah. If she's really, well, yeah. Uh, 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 the thing is with a language, I, I always think the, long, the younger you get into a language, the easier it is to learn. Oh, no question. It's hard... I'll just get older. My, so she, my she problem is, yeah, but th- my problem with at her age, every six months, whatever she's into is completely different. And the thing she used to be into is rubbish. She don't care about it anymore. Right. right now it's, you know, Pokemon cards and, you know, stuff like that. Will she still be into that in a few months? I don't know. I doubt it because her, you know, at that age, her, whatever that thing is changes so often. So I always hesitate to spend a lot of money on whatever she's into at that moment because it's wasted money just a few months later. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want her to be happy. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. <laughs> so let's get to our feedback before we wrap up this show, David. Sure. Um, no, I've got some, I've got some feedback that's not in the notes that I'd like to bring up first. Go for it. So I've been having a, an exchange with Michael Breed on Twitter about, um, about what we talked about about Apple Music, yeah, um, and we've we've been going back and forth the last couple of days on it. So I just want to quickly sum, <clears throat> summary through it. He said, "I'm not seeing any of the issues you and Tim are." He's at CV Mac, by the way, uh, on Twitter. Not seeing any of the issues you and Tim are with Apple Music. Nav seems easy to me. Love the custom playlists. And I said, oh, "I understood, but but they are last to the party." This is what we were saying on the show. They're the last company and the biggest company in music to come to streaming. It should be perfect for everyone. And he said, oh, I don't think that's realistic. They have a good start in my, my opinion. I know it will approve. And, and I disagreed. Again, I said, Tim, Tim Cooker said, music's in Apple's DNA, and it's the heart of what we do. And Spotify, you know, Spotify's been around for, uh, what, 10 years at this point? Yeah, about that. Pandora's, Pandora's been here for, for nearly 15. Yep. I mean, Apple, I think they have a higher bar to set because they've come into this so late. Um, Mike, Mike didn't really understand. He said, "Listen, to a tech fan of past weeks. I don't get the animosity. I don't see the flaws. You guys do agree to disagree, I guess." And I said, "I think we just hope for better. The animosity comes from disappointment, but we appreciate uh, that mileage may vary. And you know, I'm glad he really likes the service, and, and we appreciate him letting us know. You know." Um, and I think and you said, hit it right on the head there. By the way, before yeah. you continue, we do expect more from Apple. I don't expect them to be as good as Pandora. Or Spotify, I expect them to be better when they come out with with all of the resources behind them, with the music industry behind them, uh, with some very influential musical people on board at Apple now. And these services has been around for 10 to 15 years. This isn't something brand new like when they invented the iPod or when they invented the iPhone. This wasn't something brand new that... They could see what the competition was doing, and they should be able to do it better. And they're going to build it on top of a service that we've had for, again, 15 years, 16 years, iTunes. So it should be better. My expectations of a product 
that they hype this much is extremely high. Is that fair? I think it's absolutely fair. Apple sets them up themselves up for this. And yeah. so when they come out with a service that deletes songs from my library, that is not acceptable on any level, period. It's just not acceptable. Now, Mike, Mike comes back to say that, you know, a lot of folks aren't as disappointed. No, you, you know, take that never, on Never said they did. They were. Yeah, he, he said, Dal Rimple got most of his music back. He's moderated his tone. It's still not 100% plus better. Um, Elisa Pacelli uh, jumped in at that point and says, I, she says, it's okay, but I prefer my music on my computers and devices. It, it's what I want when I want. It comes down to personal preference. Um, and Mike said, you know, he doesn't think that it's possible for any service to be perfect for everyone. It's just impossible. I agree with um, that. But, you know, again, if if Apple's going to hype this so much and they're going to build it on top of something that's already been established and they have competition, it it absolutely should have been light years ahead of what they released. Yeah. I would I, be embarrassed I, if I was Apple. Completely well, yeah, in my personal experience, you know, having used Spotify, I went to Apple Music, I had these problems, and I went back to Spotify, and I'm I'm more comfortable there. I know people have said to us that Spotify is not really much better, and there are some people who say the user interface of Spotify is, is not great either. Um, you know, the, these we're just talking about what we feel and, and what our ex- expectations are. Yeah, it's fine that people disagree with us, and of course, we absolutely recognise we have no metrics. Uh, it could well be that the people who are shouting loudest, people like ourselves, people like Dalrymple, uh, are, are, are the tiny minority who are having problems and everybody else is perfectly happy with it. And that, again, that's fine. We don't we don't know. We just don't have the data to actually know whether, you know, we are the 0.1% who are having difficulties or not or whether whether it's more common. Um, who knows? But the, the point is, is that... Uh, like you say, we had our high expectations because Apple leads us to believe that this is who they are, this is what they do, and that they would do this absolutely right. And if, I'm sorry, if you had to take something like Dalrymple into Apple to try and fix his problems, and the first thing the engineers say to him is, we don't really understand what's happened here, that just is not great. And and it it should have been better. It comes down to this, if, if, if you're going to talk the talk, you better be able to walk the walk. And Apple is absolutely not walking the walk. Not, not when it comes to software at the moment. And no. I have to wonder, we've got, this, we've got a note here from, um, from John Nemo as well. I'm not happy with the new uh, Photos app, it's how it's messing up my Yosemite Photo Stream. I didn't convert to iCloud Photo Library on any of my equipment. Photo Stream works great on everything except my Yosemite Mac Pro. Ugh. My, my photo archive is no longer usable on that machine. I can moan a bit more, but Apple's goof here is almost as bad as the music snafu. Again, this is this is the same sort of thing. Now, I said last week that I'd be very happy with uh, iCloud Music Library, uh, iCloud Photo Library, but it's a similar situation in that they have extra bits that have been tacked on. Some people use them, some people don't. The point is you don't get consistent experience. Yep. And, and if you don't do whatever the engineers kind of planned you to do, then you can have problems. And, and unfortunately, one of the downsides of Apple is that when things go wrong, you don't get detailed error information. There's very little logging. It just kind of doesn't work, and you don't know what to do. And Apple and is that, not forthcoming publicly when there's problems. They try to hide it. They've no, been doing I, that for years. Now, I, I have to wonder. One of, one of the issues I see with all of this is everyone keeps on saying, well, Apple's got loads of money. How can they keep on... That you know, not not put the resources in, and then and then Apple normally comes back and says, well, you know, we hire the best people we can hire, um, 
and uh, but there's only so many people we can we can handle we can hire there's only so many resources available and and every time i hear them say that i think yeah in the bay area right the whole planet is not just the area around cupertino i think one of the issues with the way apple operates nowadays is that particularly when it comes to software development they are still bay area focused yeah they're and, myopic know, yeah, they, they should they should be opening up resource centres for engineering and particularly for software engineering in other parts of the world, and they should figure out a way to make the Apple kind of process work outside of the Cupertino campus because clearly Cupertino, no matter how many spaceships they build and everything, is stuffed to the gills, and there's only a finite number of engineers who are willing to take the Apple paycheck. Work the Apple way, which let's face it is not—it's not like working at Google, and it's very secretive. You might not know what your coworkers doing. There are downsides to working at Apple. Yet you might not be able to tell your your spouse or your family, or your partner about what you're working for months or years at a time, right? And there's only a certain number of people who are prepared to pick up sticks and move to Cupertino. Mm-hmm. Not everyone wants to live in California. Yeah, not if they, you like water. Sh- <laughs> exactly. They should. They need to be able to scale out. Yep. You know, and, and I think that's the only way they're going to be able to address some of these issues is if they have research centres and engineering centres outside of Cupertino. Then they need that is their next step because they effectively they're, they're in this kind of bizarre situation at the moment where they're one of the most valuable companies of the planet, and yet they are suffering growing pains because of, they've artificially constrained themselves to one part of the country. I agree with you, and a lot of this comes down to what I've said, and I've been saying Apple sucks at services. They just do. They always have. It's not in their DNA unless they acquire a company that it's in their DNA, like a Dropbox or something like that. It's just not going to change. Google is much better at services. That's what their whole business is built around. Unfortunately, it's advertising services, but nonetheless, it works better than Apple services. It just does. And when Apple tries to take all their software and combine it with services, photo stream, music, it's been disastrous. Not so much that it's hurting the business right now, but unless they address this really, really soon, and I think you're absolutely spot on, David, about starting to look outside of California for talent, um, it will start affecting their business. It just will. I mean, they deleted my music, man. Yeah. I got it all back because I'm smart when it comes to backup. I don't think the average user is going to have the luck that I did of getting their music back. And I didn't do anything wrong. That's the thing. It's not like I screwed something up. I didn't. I actually know what I'm doing. It's this garbage software and services that Apple has that's just not being addressed. And instead of going back and fixing stuff like photos, they roll out the music service now. Have they fixed the photos problem? No. Are they going to? I don't know. I don't have any confidence in them at this point. Yeah, and I, 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 it's. I, I think it's becoming very complicated. All of these things are becoming incredibly complex, and you know, Apple's famous for doing these kind of clean and clean the decks and reset. Um, you know, the, the stuff they did with their professional services, pulling out of markets. You know, tearing down bits of software and rebuilding them from scratch, upsetting a lot of people along the way. Maybe that's part of the solution for this. But the thing is, 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 is what they what they can't do. They've got to bring everybody along with them. They can't wipe the slate clean and say, right, we're going to fix these problems by starting again. 
and at the same time throw everybody out and basically say, all right, well, now you've got to start your photos again. Now you've got to start your music collection again. They've got to, they've got to figure out a way to migrate because that's, that's the problem. It's the transition. Yeah. You know? And, and at the very least, even if you don't want to surface this stuff to users, and I understand that. It's not the Apple way. But have detailed logging built somewhere into the software so that tagged to you, yeah, so that when you call Apple up, you say, well, some of my music's disappeared. They can, they can type something. What's your user ID? Okay, I'm looking at your account now. Oh, yes, I can see what's happened here. Yep. Okay, well, I'm going to push a button now and push those back, and then this is what you need to do on your Mac, and then this is what you need to do on your iPhone, and then after that will be fine. Yeah. Because, you know what? If they did that, everybody will be happy. Yeah, Everybody. but right now you got to search the internet. You got to jump on their forums. You've got to you've got to try to yeah. weed out all the idiots like you and I that are complaining <laughs> without actually offering any solutions, <clears throat> and try to figure it out yourself. And you know what? That's just eventually going to come back and bite you. It just is. Yeah. Uh, next one is from uh, Brendan Rowland. Do you want to read that one? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Because uh, maybe, maybe you should put what he's put here in the show notes so that people can read it. Because it is kind of interesting. Yeah. But it, I don't. Th- I don't think it works great in audio. <laughs> Reading it in my head. So uh, he wrote. He wrote. Um, he he wrote good stuff. I was really looking forward to. No, by the way, that's that's the next guy. Oh, it's not the same one. R.J. Ro- oh yeah, yes, B.J. Rowland. Same. Yeah, thing, yeah, actually. same guy. Okay. See, I was right. Oh, it's two different so, emails. Two different emails. Yeah. So he 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 responded to our um, discussions about uh, privacy and web advertising, web tracking, this sort of thing. So he, um, he basically, I'm going to summarise his first email. It was good stuff. He, uh, he knew it had a lot of attention. He was looking forward to us discussing about it. And he said, agree with everything that uh, Marco Arment, who blogged about this, said about the web advertising. He said, a line was crossed long ago and a reckoning is coming. This is going to become interesting. And then he said, um, he, he made a reference to uh, Oliver Cromwell, who uh, for American listeners uh, or people who, in British listeners, for that matter, or anybody else who don't remember their English history, um, in the uh, in the 1600s, we had a revolution here. We had a civil war, and we had a revolution. And for for a, a period of time, uh, the monarchy was deposed. They actually uh, beheaded the king, uh, and we had a um, we had a, a kind of republic-style parliament led by a, a guy called Oliver Cromwell. Um, and uh, he was a great orator, and so he gave a, a big long speech, uh, which uh, Brendan here has adapted to bring it up to the modern world. So, um, I'm, as I say, I think we'll put this in the show notes. I don't think I can do justice to it by reading it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically, what the the, the kind of the um, Oliver Cromwell was was a Puritan, so he believed very much in you know, the godly way and simplicity and not having a lot of distractions that can perhaps lead you to sin. And, and that's really the spirit of this speech that uh, that um, Brendan has, has kind of picked up on, that, that the, the web has, has become a den of iniquity, full of prostitution and, uh, and you know, a den of thieves because of immoral principles or wicked practices, uh, and basically saying that... Um, all the junk and the and the web advertising, and everything is kind of the illustration of this kind of sinful place that the web has become. Kind of brings us around to what we were talking about Ashley Madison before, doesn't it? As well as so, Comcast and ripping me yeah, off. Exactly. Yeah. So I think we have the name of this episode, David. It's going to be Den of Thieves. 
<laughs> so with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. You can read um, uh, the entire thing from BJ on our website. Look for Tech Fan number 221 in the show notes, and you'll find it there. Uh, David, thanks a lot for being here. And for those wondering, I know I haven't played the Tech Fan theme music uh, brilliantly performed and written by uh, Kevin Reeves at the beginning. I just haven't done it. Um, trying something new. Uh, I'll probably bring it back eventually, but I don't know. I just didn't feel like playing the music at the beginning of this one or the last one, David. Okay. So, a little different. Uh, there are no rules. There are no rules. Uh, one thing we do ask, though, is people send us email to the show at techfanpodcast.com or you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, it's techfanpodcast. And we are on Facebook as well. Just do a search for techfanpodcast and you'll find us on Facebook. And we will be back in uh, one week. I should be back from Austin by the time it's time to record the next episode. So we'll see you then. <laughs>